welcome to Wrestling with the Angels, a podcast that hopes to encourage you as we limp along this life together. My name is Zach, and I'm here with my good friend, Sam. And this is his first time on the podcast. Uh, we recently reconnected over chess. I put out an a invitation or a challenge on Facebook, and Sam responded, and then proceeded to whoop my butt four times in a row, uh, which I'm still a little bit bitter about. But in... Uh, conversing with him, it came up that he, is it recently converted or how long, how long have you been converted to the Roman Catholic? Six months. Six months. Okay. So that is fairly recent. Yeah. So a recent convert to the Roman Catholic faith. And what I found so curious about that is because when I knew Sam, um, we attended the same church and it was a very Baptist church. And so the reason I invited him on today was just to talk about uh, his conversion story. Cause it's not too often today that you see people open to new ideas, let alone incorporating those ideas into their daily life. And so I just kind of wanted to open the question up for you is, uh, if you wanted to talk a little bit about before your conversion, your experience with the faith. Yeah, Zach. So I was baptized in a Baptist church when I was 14 years old. I was involved with the church youth group, and I was really interested in the Bible and, and learning was about it, the faith. Was it a big youth group, or was it? Yeah, it was a big youth group. Okay. Like 100 people. What? Yeah. Where was this? It was in Shreveport. At, uh, yes, that's right, because we know we know Michael Cantwell. That's right. And we know Dan. Yeah. Okay. Good guys. That's right. They, um, so we're talking church camps, choir tours. Do you know James Blazik? Sorry. No, I don't. No, sorry. He was like Charles. Okay. I get, yeah. We, I know all of them from Louisiana Tech. Yeah. And so they're kind of a smorgasbord. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah. So I was really involved with my faith there um, in my teens and in my late teens going into college. I was, I was very Baptist. Uh-huh. That's really all I knew in Christianity. But I was a little disillusioned, I would say, with certain maybe teachings that I found to be maybe extra biblical. Oh, and, and do you have spe- do you have specifics? The rapture was always weird to me. Okay, yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I read I read like Left Behind. And it, <laughs> I read all, it too. It scared me. <laughs> and second, whether or not it's true that the rapture and the doctrine of that is in the Bible, it wasn't really articulated by faithful people until the 1800s. Right. And anything anything new is sort of skeptical in the faith. Yeah, I, or at least it led me to question some things and. Rather than go the sola scriptura route, mm-hmm. I said, well, there are some good things that I in the church I go to that are not in the Bible. Mm-hmm. You know, the Bible doesn't tell us to have hymns and then a, a sermon and then a luncheon. <laughs> now, I don't know about that. That's traditions of man. <laughs> so I, I thought these were good, and I need to find out more about them. I had a lot of questions. So you saw, pardon me for interrupting, but you saw that even even Baptists rely on to some degree on tradition. Is what you're saying? You know, anything that we do on a Sunday is is going to be in some way extra biblical. Mm-hmm. Even the ways that we look at the Bible, like you know, there's not a there's not a, a table of contents in the Bible. <laughs> Are you sure? There's one in mine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, that was put together by someone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you and I agree that it was done without error. Yeah, that's right. But it's outside of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And on some other deep 
deeply fundamental Christian ideas like the Trinity mm. and the Christological understanding of, you know, Christ having two natures. Yeah. They're not in the Bible. And you can look to the Bible as for proof texts, mm-hmm. but these things weren't articulated until later, hundreds of years later. And I knew that wherever I kind of looked for faith, I was going to have to find a church that was Trinitarian and diophysite in its understanding of Christ's nature. Okay. And that that just means understanding the two natures to be uh, consistent within the one person. Yeah. So there's there's no... First of all, I'm not a theologian. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just an interested layman who gets a lot of stuff wrong. Yeah. But... Me too. The... You know, these definitions came from the First Council of Ephesus and then Chalcedon later on. And they formed the basis of the Christology of everybody that you and I would call Christians. So Mm. I could look at most Protestants. I could look at the Orthodox churches and the Catholic Church as having an Orthodox, in a sense, Mm -hmm. understanding of the Trinity and of Christ. And I remember thinking that Catholicism was so silly and uh-huh. stupid that I wouldn't even consider it. So I attended an Orthodox church out of curiosity. And it was there that... And where, which one did you attend? First of all, in Shreveport, I attended one called St. Nicholas. Okay. And So in Shreveport? Yes. And this was... How old were you? In my early 20s, I... I've co- I kept returning to the Baptist church just mm-hmm. because that's where my social life really was. Mm-hmm. And it's where I was very familiar with things. But through practice in the Orthodox church, I became accustomed to things like priests and the sacraments, praying to the saints, and understanding Mary as Theotokos, which is really a Christological mm-hmm. p- position. The mother of God. Yeah, yeah. That's a Christological argument that goes back to Chalcedon or, mm-hmm. or Ephesus. Yes, very good. So, um, so all along the way, it it almost seems like your personality has been open to new ideas. Yes, i I wanted to find the truth, and I think that I think that everyone can agree that a lot of the conventions in the Baptist Church, like the use of the English language, mm-hmm. is new. That's a new thing. <laughs> right. So I wanted to find something ancient, and I did put ancient on a pedestal. Uh-huh. I, I admit that, you know, I was worshiping ancient and original as though it were synonymous with true. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily, in some sense, it is with our Christian tradition, because the very reason that you and I agree on so many fundamental issues is because we can agree on what councils were ecumenical, at least for the first right. hundreds of years. Even if, even if largely uh, I'm unaware of them, and s- most Baptists are. And I am too. I, I just read, you know, some of the, the canons of them. To Yeah, and we, what, I'm, well, yeah, what I'm trying to get at is we, we stand on those shoulders, even if we're not aware that those councils exist. Yeah, I, I, and if you ask most Catholics on the street, like, d- define the two natures of Christ, uh-huh. you know, we'd have a lot of heretics on our hands. <laughs> but... It's interesting to me that the very authority that compiled the Bible, the very authority that defined Christ as we understand it and defined the Trinity, mm-hmm. which which are extra biblical, I believe exists on the earth today mm-hmm. in in this conciliar kind of church that, you know, after Chalcedon, the Oriental, Oriental Orthodox said, no, that's not right. Uh, and they're yeah. not in communion with, with you know, the church's 
that affirmed it. Okay. And so I want to be in communion with whatever that body is. Right, right, right. I right. continue to have ecumenical councils throughout time. Mm-hmm. Do you do you find that uh, the your your pursuit and your interest in new ideas is based on a pursuit of finding what is true? Well, that's a really lofty kind of <laughs> kind of thing, and I don't want to I don't want to say that I'm some kind of truth seeker uh-huh. and this and that. I, I was really I'm just curious. I like history. I like theology. And I figure if something is true, I want to know about it. Mm-hmm. But it's hard to go doctrine by doctrine in any church and fact check it throughout history <laughs> and, and the right. Bible. So you have to have a reliance on some authority. Mm-hmm. I mean, you studied biology. Yeah. So you probably know more calculus than me. But I, I don't know. I don't know. I, <laughs> But I don't disagree just because I don't understand it doesn't mean I don't think that calculus is false. Right. Because right. I trust the authority that, that tells me it's true. Mm-hmm. And so even though I haven't fact-checked, you know, you, you, you'll never be able to compare and contrast every little doctrine and thing. Oh, yeah, but for sure. at the end of the day, I'm a Catholic because I believe in the authority of the Catholic Church. Absolutely. I guess the reason I, I invited you on is because I do find it so interesting the dramatic shift that you took on. And so, I, yeah, I just kind of want to explore um, your thought process. And it seems to me, um, just from listening to you, that you are very interested in discovering what is true. And that that's a huge desire that that is coming across, at least from what you're saying. And um, so I guess I, I am curious to know if you're still as open today as you were when you first converted or when you first went to that Orthodox church in Shreveport. So I would, I would say that I found the fullness of truth Mm -hmm. and that there really are reflections of light in other Christian churches and that it led me in, in a way to Rome really through prayer, because I can't understand a lot of the history and the theology behind it. But I, I just believe that it was God's grace that led me to his church. And since I believe I'm in a church that was founded by Christ mm-hmm. and that can trace its its roots back pope by pope, you know, bishop by bishop, all mm-hmm. the way to the apostles, I think I found the fullness of truth in a way that makes it a stopping point. Okay, gotcha. And that was going to be my next question is, do you think you've found truth since you've been looking so earnestly for it, it seems? I want to be clear that I think that God is truth and right. that Jesus Christ is truth in, in that he is the word of God mm. and that the Catholic Church is the privileged means that Christ has given us to have a relationship with him. And so I, I do think that I've found truth and I do think that I'm cooperating in a way, with the grace that God has given me. And I'm just trying to be obedient and going where he's leading me. Yeah, I like how you put that. Ultimately, you have faith that in God, yes. that he is true, and that the church that you're a part of now, the Roman Catholic Church, is a true expression, uh, a true reflection of who God is. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. 
Well, very cool, man. Um, what? So now I kind of want to get in because right, if you don't mind me sharing, right before this, you you had mentioned that you were going to confession, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, I don't, I don't. Uh, as a Baptist, I have zero experience with that. <laughs> Uh, what what do you find most enjoyable about the practice of the Roman Catholic Church? That's a great question. The the sacraments were something that led me into the church, and very quickly, the confession is one of the seven sacraments, just like the Eucharist or communion mm-hmm. is a sacrament. Things like marriage. You mean the Lord's Supper? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Just kidding. Yes. Um, so it is a sacrament of mm-hmm. the church and receiving absolution or, or this forgiveness from my sins is a huge blessing in my life. I think that that forgiveness is available to all people and mm-hmm. then especially Christians and then especially Catholics. Mm-hmm. The reason I say that is because forgiveness is from God and God alone. Mm-hmm. And it's my understanding and it's the Catholic church's understanding that priests have a unique ministry Mm-hmm. to be able to forgive like God forgives by the power of God. Yeah, it's, it's called the, um, what is it, the keys? The uh... So the keys, I, I think, belong to the Pope. This, the, key, I see. the keys I of you. the kingdom, these were given to to Peter. Yeah, there's a line in the Bible that where Peter is, ex- uh, like he's expressly mentioned, yeah. right? Well, you know, in, in any time the apostles are mentioned, he's mentioned first, mm-hmm. or he's mentioned alone. And Judas is always mentioned last. And so I think that this kind of ordering is important. I see. Mm-hmm. He was given the keys to, and this idea of binding and loosing. Mm, yes, and, on earth. Yeah. yeah, and I think that this is a ministry that persists to today. So in confession, we understand that we can be, forgiven of sins that we've committed that are so grave that we effectively turn our will away from God. Mm. You know, we have an idea that God doesn't really send you to hell, but you send yourself to hell. Yeah, I mean, I think I've experienced that in my own life, what you're talking about. Yeah, and... It's coming to a point where um, it was hard to pick up the Bible. It was hard to turn to Him. And in fact, there was some, in some odd way, an enjoyment out of it. I know what you mean. Yeah. I have the same kind of impulse in my own life and I would describe it as just faithlessness. Yes. Where I, I, I know that the fruit of a holy life and loving Christ will be bountiful. Mm. And I, I know that the rewards from this and the grace and the love and, you know, not necessarily material rewards, not what I'm talking about. Right. Spiritual. I, I know that they're great. Yeah. But I, you lose faith in that for even mm-hmm. a second. And you want to pursue the, these fruits of this earth. Yeah. That we wouldn't make a decision unless we thought it would have some kind of good. Mm. Even, you know, running away from God and into greed and, and the love right. of money, we perceive that to be this good. Yep. We're, we're creatures that search for good. Yes. And, but it's faithlessness. Yep. To, An idolatry. It is, to, yeah. turn away from, to turn away from God and not yep. to have faith in the rewards of a saintly life. Yeah, very good. I, I like what, uh, how Keller, Tim, uh, Dr. Keller defines um, idolatry, which I think is what you're kind of getting at is that anytime idolatry is anytime we turn our eyes away from God and make this finite thing 
infinite. Or we, well or we make we make a we make a um, something that shouldn't be worshipped, and we and we and we worship it. Well said. So, confession is just a very privileged means for Catholics and and baptized Christians really mm. uh, to to express contrition mm. and to receive forgiveness. We're we're human pe- we're human beings. We're, we live in a physical reality. It's, I don't have this belief that my priest is a magician who can <laughs> forgive my sins waving his wand or something. Right. It would be sweet if he did, though. Yeah, I know. It would be a lot easier. <laughs> but really, it requires a lot of cooperation from the penitent mm. to, to, be, to have a contrite heart mm. and to resolve to not sin anymore. And then, of course, it's the grace of God to forgive. And because we're incarnate— and I, I think Catholics understand this incarnational theology the best in practice. I, I interact with the human being. Yes. Christ yeah. was a human being. Right. I, I interact with a human being mm. who, who can confer this forgiveness to me that is given by God. And so I always feel great after confession. I'm tempted to not wear my seatbelt. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I fear death a little less. Oh, that's awesome. And slightly risky. I know. <laughs> but I feel like that's a good place to end. I would just want to thank you for coming on and, and talking about your conversion experience. And um, that's what that's what I want to do today. What I want to take away from this conversation is to be open to new ideas, um, to be willing to change, and to strive after God. And until next time, may the Lord make us a channel for His peace.